Good evening. Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed Ed, and we're welcoming Mike back, hopefully back all the time, and myself, Steve. Um, I think it's kind of obvious what the big story of the day is, the Trump uh, disqualification. Um, Ed, you're our legal correspondent. You want to weigh in first on what happened? Sure. Uh, a bunch of voters uh, petitioned the Board of Elections to keep Trump off the ballot because they allege he violated Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Federal Constitution and that, that in that he allegedly engaged in insurrection. Um, it was uh, there are cases, I think, in 31 different states that involve the same allegation. Every other state so far that has ruled on it has has either dismissed the case or ruled against the voters. Uh, the district court in this case ruled that Trump had engaged in insurrection, but that uh, the 14th Amendment didn't apply to the office of president, uh, which by its terms, I think, is is correct. Yep. Uh, it went through the appeals process and the court and the Supreme Court of Colorado uh, affirmed a part, reversed in part. But basically, the 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 sum total of the Supreme Court's ruling is that Trump is disqualified from being on the ballot in Colorado because they allege he violated Section three of the 14th Amendment of the federal constitution. How did they get past standing? Um, Doesn't matter if you're leftist. Thank you. Thank no, you. Exactly. <laughs> no voter. I mean, well, nothing I matters. The Colorado statute, but um, I'm pretty sure that voters have the have standing to challenge whether somebody is properly on the ballot. Um, is this the same Sorry. country where states didn't have standing with the courts in presidential elections? Legislatures didn't have standing, and nobody had standing. Right. Um. Pretty much. But, that's a different situation. I understand. I mean, maybe as a lawyer, I can see it. And as a lay person, you don't. But um, I think those are different situations. The the um, the the voters in this case, uh, they they claimed a concrete injury. Um, but even without that, I, I'm I'm almost positive. I'm I, I, I like I said, I haven't read the statute, so I don't want to say I'm positive, but. I think the statutes give voters standing to make challenges. I mean, there's a whole administrative process for those challenges. So I think that voters have standing by statute in these cases. Okay. Well, yeah. where's, where's, thought, the in, me... where's the injury? Well, yeah. that's a separate question. If the statute gives them standing, the statute gives them standing. I, I just statute says you can injury. sue... What? I don't see where there's an injury, whereas with the uh, uh, the election cases, people, you know, can say, hey, you know, I, I voted and you, um, you know, basically nullified my vote because of changing the rules, whatever they did. Whereas, well, in, uh, whereas the here Texas they're just versus, saying he shouldn't be on the ballot. The Texas versus Pennsylvania case was that uh, Pennsylvania, by not following your laws and not following the Constitution, you affected our voters because the wrong guy became president. But um, basically, the Supreme Court said 
every state gets to conduct its own election and you don't have a say in what another state does for its election. I disagreed with it at the time. I still agree, disagree with it now, but I understand the, the ruling. It's it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, what happened to that other four letter word that the courts throw out all the time? It's not ripe yet. It's either ripe. It's not ripe or it's moot. Well, how come this one was ripe? Well, because the they were petitioning for uh, an upcoming primary that is coming which hasn't up. happened yet, which right, the presidential election is in eleven months. They can't. You can't ask to keep somebody off the ballot after the election. But when they used ripe before the last election, wasn't that exactly what they were doing? You can't protest anything until it's too late, and then we'll say it's too late. That's how well, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, if I mean, I I forget the name of the case, but um, that was a case that went to the Supreme Court, and Justice Alito correctly predicted that if they don't rule on it beforehand, it's going to lead to chaos, um, which I think it did. Um, I don't disagree with you on that, Steve, but um, I think that in again, I, I would have to look at the Colorado statute, but I'm willing, I, I would be willing to bet that the statute gives voters standing to challenge. And that's the end of the inquiry. If the, if the legislature says A, B, and C people can sue, then those people can sue based on the statutory language. That's just the way standing works. So uh, Viva Fry and, and Robert Barnes uh, had an interesting take. Apparently, and again, I'm, I'm quoting this from, from there, the, um, the ruling is, is stayed until... Um, January fourth, but then it's the stay continues unless the Supreme Court agrees. In other words, the, their reading of it is that the stay is indefinite. Um. So his view, their view, uh, Freiheiten and Barnes, is that this is a two hundred and thirteen page. Uh, press release to dump on Trump, but there is no legal import at all. Now, I haven't been able to download it uh, and look at it myself, um, but usually they're pretty spot on on this sort of legal analysis. So it'll be interesting to see whether anybody else picks up on that or whether they, they decide they're wrong in their next email. Substack or whatever. I haven't um, looked at and, the. I haven't seen that exact language. So I mean, I actually did browse the opinion. I saw you said two hundred thirteen. I thought it was two hundred fourteen pages, but um, you know, I didn't focus on that language. Um, if if somebody has, if one of you guys has that language and reads it, I'll uh, I'll, I'll comment on it. But does it talk about how Trump? Um, you know, I I know Trump is getting up there, but I didn't know that he was from the confederate south and um you know that he used to hold office before the civil war be careful I, I be careful with I that argument work. mike i mean i know that you're being facetious but i mean there was no internet at the time of of the fr framers either but we want the internet to be subject to the first amendment um but was wasn't wasn't the amendment i'm not talking uh, it's the 14th the 13th amendment he's, he's being challenged on right 14th no, 14th I mean, what wasn't the, the language in there aimed at members, of, former members of Congress who are part of the Confederacy, part of the secession movement? It was 
it was aimed at them so that they would never hold office again. Is that wrong? That's the way I understand. That's not yeah. what the, that's not what the language actually says, though. I mean, yes, that's true, but that's not what the language says it, in the Constitution. It, it, the, the in, now in in the amendment, the the point of it. So, the God, point of it was to not allow any of the Confederates to take office unless Congress they took the, the unless they took the pledge. You know, right. at the end of the war, everybody had to take a pledge of uh, all the Confederates had to take a pledge of citizenship. In fact, um, you know, Ro Robert E. Lee took it, but it was pocketed by one of the, you know, so, one of the uh, radical radical Republicans. It wasn't even wasn't even discovered until the 1960s. And then Congress uh, removed his disability. In fact, um, right, gave him right. back all of his honors. So the Congress point, the the point was that yeah. that yeah that Congress removes the disability and the old and the, what they did was you know you had to take the pledge and they did for large numbers of uh, Southerners who I mean who signed the pledge they Congress would you know it's like them voting on things now they'd have a list of a thousand names and they'd vote and did they take the pledge yes then they voted yes um, one of the interesting things about the Fourteenth Amendment is. It, it doesn't, or this this section, um, is it doesn't say, right, it, it doesn't provide any, um, like, determination or on who it was to be, you know, who, who, who it's referring to. I, I think they all just understood that anybody from the... Um, from the states who um, who seceded, well, no, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, no person. Let's just read it. No person yeah. shall be a senator, or representative of Congress, or elector, right. or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, or any under or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, as an officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislator, or an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States, shall engage in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid and comfort to enemies thereof, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So, but it, it doesn't give you, it, just, it, it says, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Well, who, who decides that? Right. Um, I mean, so there, you, no, I think the answer to that question is found in Section One of the Fourteenth Amendment, which which requires due process of law. I think that either a, either a criminal prosecution has to have established criminal guilt on a charge of insurrection, or uh, you need an impeachment of a of an officer of a of, of a president, let's say, and and a conviction of that of that president. Okay. It's section one of the Fourteenth Amendment that requires due process of law. Um, now, I would the also. The other thing argue, is, the president is not an officer of the United no. States, so it doesn't even apply to the president. Right? Correct. I mean, that's right. that's, that's correct. the other thing. That's yeah, I was about to say that because there there've been a couple of cases. Apparently, um, one I think was uh, back in 1888, U.S. versus Moat. That officers are only those individuals who are appointed to positions within the federal government. Um, yeah. and then there was and confirmed case, by the Senate, right? Right. And another case in 2010, Free Enterprise Fund versus Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. Um, John Roberts concluded the people do not vote for officers of the United States. 
they were appointed under Article Two of the Constitution. So clearly, I, I think it's very clear that this doesn't apply to the President of the United States. Yes, and yeah, no, or the Vice President, add, right? Huh? Correct, or the Vice. I, or the vice I would president. also add that for for a state to be able to adjudicate that kind of uh, the, the adjudicate insurrection the way the Colorado Supreme Court did not only violates Trump's due process rights, but I think it also violates the um, const- the it violates the Constitution's eligibility requirements for president. The states are not allowed to add to qualifications. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if Congress has not found him to has not impeached uh, convicted him on impeachment, I don't think or, and if there hasn't been a criminal conviction, I would argue that the the, the state of Colorado is adding a new requirement to be be president, which is, in our opinion, you're not guilty of insurrection. So, of of course, they would respond that none of the people in this Confederacy ever were had due process of law or were convicted of um, of insurrection. Uh, That's the thing. It's like, how, how do you determine who's insurrection? They didn't bother in in 1865 to or 1866 whenever well it was they had seceded right that, no well, but he's talking about the particular individuals the states right? yeah the individuals uh, for instance how does robert e lee know that he, how, how do we know that robert e lee well okay so it's a general fighting the american forces but you know take some southern you know Clark. state representative who right. who you know didn't fight uh, but who voted for secession? Well, mm-hmm. How do you determine who? And, or is it every, you know, or was it, so, you know, every citizen of those states are all considered in rebellion? There's none of that. Uh, the, but I mean, they obviously knew what it meant because, um, you know, they passed it. But it, it's such so open ended that, um, you know, it, 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 who, how do you even decide? How did they decide then? And I want to prove to your. Um, assertion that that 14th Amendment Clause 3 can't apply to the president because of the fact that they can't put another eligibility requirement on the president. The reason it doesn't contradict the eligibility requirement is because they know darn well it never applied to the president or vice president. I agree with that. So I think that way you don't have to worry about it. Now, what happens if voters in Colorado now sue saying that we're not getting, you know, the people we want on the ballot or we're not yeah. getting our due process or whatever. Disenfranchised, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is what the, well, the, left I mean, loves, it's, the left loves to throw this stuff out there. Everybody's being disenfranchised. Democracy. I mean, the, I mean they're not they hate democracy. <laughs> they hate, they're, they're not, yeah, of course, they're not one democracy. They're not going to fight this. They're just going to have a caucus now in, in Colorado. The okay. point will be, the point they will fight is on the general election. I mean, I don't see why well, any state has any um, business regulating any private political party at all. None of those laws are constitutional at all. But um, well, because to the extent that- there's a reason for it. No, that they, they are constitutional because the parties are utilizing state services to conduct an election. Yeah, well, then don't. You know, but that would be I mean, my. Is well, it, that's is what it, a caucus is. You're right. A caucus doesn't use the state. Uh, resources and they get they get to do a lot more they have a lot more freedom to do it their way so what would happen to conduct a primary then go ahead 
let's say we never appeal this to the Supreme Court. We just leave it alone. And then right. Trump is elected president, you know, next November. What happens? Is he president everywhere but Colorado? Like, what does that mean? I don't. Well, you can be president no. even if you don't win a particular state, Stephen. Right. So what does right. that mean? When when Colorado says he's not qualified to be president, does that mean yeah. he can't land Air Force One in their state? Like, what does that mean? He's uh, president of the other 49, but not of Colorado? No, he's president of every state, just like Biden he's is not eligible. Of- According to Colorado state law, he's not eligible. That means he can't be president. Well, he's not. They're saying he's not. Well, yeah. No, no. The ruling is right. he can't be president. Therefore, take him out of the primary. Well, they don't have jurisdiction don't, over the federal government. Exactly. Right. But do they have jurisdiction over them? In other words, is he president in Colorado for whatever the difference is? We have a supremacy clause in the Constitution, which says Mm -hmm. the federal law trumps state law when they conflict. Well, if that would be true, then the whole ruling is moved. Because what does the ruling say? It doesn't mean anything when you think about it. It means presidential presidential election is not a federal election. It's 50 state elections. Right. So now D.C. Why don't we argue that Colorado is an insurrectionist state because they're not going to accept the results of a federal election? Well, you read my mind, Stephen. That's the way that's what that's the way to fight back on this. If they're going to call if they're going to make up who's an insurrectionist, well, then we should make up who's an insurrectionist. And we should say that the entire state, the state government of Colorado, they're all insurrectionists. The Supreme Court of of Colorado, insurrectionists. And we should just act accordingly, the same way they're acting accordingly. Because I think it would actually literally turn it on to them. Because they're not... What does that that mean to to apply that to them, though? (laughs) I don't know, maybe... How about know. how about some Republican attorney general in uh, in Colorado bringing a lawsuit against them, charging them criminally, make them defend it? That's what they do to us. Because let's face it, Trump has a very good chance of becoming president. And if this ruling were to stand, it just seems to be absurd. I mean, I guess the governor can't go to the White House because she doesn't recognize him as president. Like, well, What does this even mean? When a state says somebody can't be president. How many of them didn't recognize Trump as president? I mean. But no state officially said they don't recognize him as a state. I mean, I'm kind of just thinking it'd be funny to just leave it alone. Because Trump, they say Trump wouldn't have won those 10 anyway, and it doesn't matter. So I'm just saying it'd be more fun to leave it. I don't think you leave (laughs) it. I don't think. I don't think that you let something like that stand. He um, lost. He lost Colorado the last time, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's only ten votes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Well, I yeah. just need to be a lot more fun. Maybe I, I don't. I don't know if that's something you want to tra- chance if you really <laughs> want to see him win. I think about the. My thing about the ruling is is it says a lot. It actually says something about Trump that. Nobody wants to talk about. And that's that he doesn't he he claims that he's going to fight for us. He doesn't know how to fight for us. He doesn't know how to fight a good fight against these people. He if he wanted to fight this, as I've been saying on this show for two and a half, almost three years now, he should have been he should have been objecting to the calls of insurrection from day one. He should have pardoned all those people before he left office. 
He should be funding their legal defense fund. He should be screaming at the top of his lungs every day that this is not that that these people are political prisoners and they're hostages. Well, and they be well you got it. No, uh, wait, 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 wait. He hasn't he hasn't put Trump, a narrative Trump, out there. Look, look, I, I'm, I'm going to. OK, he should definitely be funding their their legal cases right now. Absolutely. 100 percent agree with that. But remember, Trump, after he gave the speech in front of the, um, you know, Washington Monument, went back to the White House. All he, he didn't see, he you get, as the, the problem with being the president is you don't have Twitter and Telegram and, and whatnot, right? You, you just, you only get what people tell you. And he was told that it was an insurrection and he probably believed it. And it was, I mean, it was only well after his second impeachment trial that we all learned uh, that a lot of the stuff we were told that day was false. And in fact, it, it, you know, it was probably a, a put up job by the FBI. So he, he only knew at the time that he was told people are violent, they're killing police officers and whatnot. He's a stand up guy as far as law and order. He doesn't want to pardon everybody. He, he could not have done that. And then there was the yes, fact that uh, the, well, he couldn't know it. He didn't well, know. Yeah, we didn't, uh, didn't, we didn't know. know that they were going to be still in jail. Right. I mean, they were long. using yeah. the word insurrection by January, by the night yeah. of January 6th and the morning of January 7th. And he believed it because all he knows is what they tell him. That's the thing. When you're really? present, you're in this bubble. Really? Did he believe that the Russian out. collusion hoax was true? Because they told him that too? No, but remember, well, he, 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 talked, he, he, talk, he talked bad about the uh, intelligence community. And they were like, oh, my God, you can't, you can't do that. And he like cooled it. It was only after he, he struck the brilliant idea of putting Rick Grinnell in charge of the DNI, you know, as the DNI for a while, that finally um, terror struck in the hearts of the intelligence community and, and stuff started coming out. Not, not enough, mind you, but enough to convince people um, that they had, you know, crocked this whole thing up. The, I, I, again, I, the, the t between December uh, 6th, uh, January 6th and January 20th, very small two weeks, very, very short period of time yeah. for him to learn anything. And, and then they had, then plus he was still, he, he was, he was still focused on, he was still focused they blackmailed him. He was still focused on, on copying the count at that time. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> the well, after January 6th or something yeah. or whatever, that, the, the election was over because this, the, the, but he, he was he was blackmailed by the Republicans in Congress, including especially Mitch McConnell, that they would convict him of, you know, they would the second impeachment if he didn't shut up and do what they told him to do, which included not you say blackmail. Julian I Assange. hear the word you say blackmail. Uh, I, hear word, I hear the word cocked. That's what I hear. Well, and he I says mean, he's he, the fighter. He got cucked. I, I honestly believe that they're going to try and murder him, and I think that he, he thought that back then too. I think one of the reasons why he kept so many of those files is because he wanted to, um, is he wanted to have a defense? Because you know you put you you there's a there's a clause in the Presidential Record Act that, that he gets to keep whatever he wants, no matter the classification. You know, so he's he's kind of going to go with that as a defense if he has a decent lawyer. Um, I, I think there was a, a rationale that he wanted to keep them to 
you know, prove the Russian collusion hoax, you know, the prove that it was a prove that it was a hoax. And um, because, you know, if they go, if, if they, if, if there's a document, if there's a classified document that says, you know, we did something wrong and it, and he gave it back, it would never be produced at trial ever. You can have the document number and everything, you know, it would never be produced at trial. So, I mean, I, I think that's part of the thing is he, he wanted to keep evidence for the, um, you know, or people around him, somebody around him wanted to keep evidence for the, uh, the Russian collusion hoax in, in case people started, uh, impe- you know, uh, suing him on that. Now, what they ended up doing or indicting him on that, what they ended up doing is indicting him on January 6th. And so that the documents don't really do any good for him. But uh, and then, of course, they indicted him on the documents thing, which is ridiculous. Uh, it just seems like his he's trying to he and his supporters say that he's the fighter and the guy doesn't know how to fight and doesn't know how to win. Give me one example of a fight that he's taken on and won. Well, he won the election. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but I, I tend to agree with that M. He doesn't fight, except for it may be his personal things. Didn't DeSantis just take him to task for, among other things, not fighting for the J6ers and not pardoning them before uh, yeah. leaving office? little yes. bit better late than never, but it's about time somebody who listened to this show spoke up. Yeah. So at least we know he's listening. Mm-hmm. Well, wh- where are the, where's the rest of the GOP on, on this? I mean, we see Vivek coming out and, uh, and he's GOP? the first one out of the, out, of, out of the gate on the Colorado primary. Where, where the hell is the rest of the GOP? From what I'm hearing, um, DeSantis is talking about, and I think it's just talk, kicking him off the ballot there. Um, Abbott, or Paxton in um, the lieutenant governor. And yeah. Texas is talking about kicking him off the ballot. There's a lot of talk. I think it would just be talk, but at least they're talking a little bit about about. I, I mean, you know. Speaking who off the ballot? Biden. Oh, oh, oh to retaliate? Yep. I yeah. mean, at least they're talking about it. I don't think anybody has to, <laughs> to do it. And the sad part is that in the red states where Biden's going to lose anyway, it doesn't matter. And in the blue states where Trump's going to lose anyway, it doesn't matter. There's only a few states that matter. Right. So, yeah, but sometimes we don't know what they are, right? If you could get Biden off the Pennsylvania ballot, you know, maybe Ohio, maybe, you know, Virginia, a few yeah. swing states. Georgia. It would matter. The rest doesn't matter. You kick Trump off the Florida ballot. I don't think that makes a difference. I mm-hmm. mean, Biden. I don't think it makes right. any difference. So, of course, there's there's always just a handful of swing states. Oh, right. But sometimes, like I said, we, we don't. One of them ends up being one, and we didn't expect it. Last time around, it was Georgia, right? And now we're also doing the George W. Bush thing is we're going to wait for SCOTUS to save us again. And <laughs> some lawyer out there is saying it'll be nine to nothing. Frankly, what for what reason should SCOTUS touch this with a 10-foot pole? Wow. I, I don't think I, I don't think SCOTUS will touch it at all. I think they've shown um if you talk about cucks, especially the Trump um appointees have shown absolutely no uh loyal loyalty to Trump or to conservatism or to the Federalist Society or, or to anything. They've all made really really terrible decisions um the gun control uh case in uh illinois comes to mind 
Um, they're, they're just they're just terrible uh, people. And uh, I think they have absolutely no understanding, all three of them, um, of what's at stake here. I think they're all very much in the, the ruling class bubble and that they think Trump is a threat. Um, and I, I don't think th- I, I see I see SCOTUS punting this. I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll take the case starting, um, you know, next September. You know, we'll, I can't we'll... I can't imagine that happening. Why know. not? Why well, should they my... What purpose would they have in taking it? What do they care? No, they'll I, take I, it. They I, just you know won't what? stay. I'm, I'm as cynical as you guys are about a lot of this stuff in the court. But I just I cannot see them allowing this to stand. And be challenged, and and also just try to kick the can down the road on it. They can't, or they'll wait until a whole bunch of other courts rule, so then they could say they have a controversy. I mean, it's. I just don't. I don't think they'll kick the can down the road, like Ed is saying. I think that I I wouldn't be shocked if they took it, and and the three Democrats found two Republican appointees to go with them and go five four to uphold the Colorado Supreme Court. That I could see happening. I don't think that they'll just punt and default and and let it just sit I out. I think this is too egregious for them to That's what um, they do all the time. Or or Robert they do all the time. way to split the difference somehow. He'll come up with some ridiculous formula. So you yeah. know, I mean the, the constitutional question about all this it, it, they're interesting to to dive into like we have. Obviously this is this is just it's political. Right. You know, and, and 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 the other Stuff with Trump and the lawsuits and, and, and the indictments and everything like that. That's a more direct attack on him. I think it's an indirect attack on his supporters. Um, this is a little bit more of a direct attack on the supporters and voters, right? I mean, you, you're basically, you really are disenfranchising people. If he's the nominee, you're saying, I don't have the opportunity if I live in Colorado to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, co- come on. Um, I'm just... By the way, I don't think anybody cares that much, but it just makes us a laughing stock in front of the entire universe right now. I don't. I don't know if it makes us a laughing stock. I, I was mean, listening. I, I think I was the listening leftists to are applauding this like they applaud it. I was listening to Israeli radio this morning, which was like four o'clock their time, and it is like their tone of voice is where literally a banana republic. Now, bad enough that in Israel, they've been trying to get Netanyahu off this quote-unquote ballot, which is not really a direct ballot, but whatever, for years and years. But for America, this really looks stupid. I don't think it matters that America looks stupid because we look stupid for everything and nobody seems to care. Um, I think we look a lot stupider for the Yemen thing, which we'll get to. But this this is ridiculous. it's It's just another thing. And you sit here and say to yourself with somebody on the right, like, how much are we supposed to take of this? crap you know from the from these leftists you know i mean i i don't don't know what to say at this point and that's why you know we talk all the time about the gop and they don't fight and god i mean there should be an uproar over this well you know know, one of my stories today entitled gop betrays voters again that they snuck 702 back into the defense Mm -hmm. bill it it never stops how much the GOP couldn't care less what their constituents want. So when you say, how much more will we take? They don't care. Any more than Democrats care. Yeah. In your face. I mean, I think that the GOP is definitely fault worthy here, but 
I just think that Trump has Trump has had plenty of time to come up with a game plan for fighting this. This is not the first, second, third or fourth state where this has happened. He has no game plan whatsoever other than to fight this through the legal process. And no, it's a legal it's, process. Isn't his game plan to bash DeSantis and all of his emails? Well, that too. But <laughs> even after this, his emails are just bashing DeSantis. Like that's what that's part of what I'm saying. He has exactly. no strategy for how to actually fight the left. And it's all just flailing and and like well, I said, he you can't you can't participate in a rigged system, lose, and then complain that it was rigged afterwards. The guy does it time and time and time again, and he doesn't learn, and it really pisses me off. I, I want to use expletives to describe it because it makes me so angry that. He expects me to support him and and think that he's some genius playing four-dimensional chess when the reality is he's playing three-card Monty off the streets of New York and and putting money dollar after dollar after dollar up and losing and then complaining afterwards it's a rigged game. Well, no freaking kidding. You don't play a rigged game. That's the whole point. And he has not learned that lesson yet. Well, you know, he actually is literally dumping it on the voters because he says they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. So it's your problem, not my problem. And it's like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he, and then he, he wants he to also to play devil's advocate a little bit. I, I think he's so preoccupied with himself, with everything that's been launched at him. Right. That he he's not even thinking about all this other stuff. He's just thinking. You know, I'm. I, you're going to make me the nominee again. I deserve to be, just. You know, he's not fighting for it like we, you said all along, Ed. And that he he's going to be back in power, and that somehow that's going to fix everything. But in the meantime, they're they're throwing all these grenades at him, and I think now he it's all it's become more and more about him. So he doesn't really care about it. right. And I else. think that's becoming clearer to more people. I really, I mean, I've, I'm on record here saying I think he's going to lose Iowa. I do not believe he's going to be the nominee. I, you know, I, Warren Harding became president in 1920 on a platform of what he called normalcy. Normalcy was not even an English word at that time. He he made it into an English word. And, and I think that people, good Republicans, good conservatives want a little normalcy. Trump is just not just chaos. I mean, because we mm -hmm. need some chaos, but he's just bad chaos. He is not helpful. He's not advancing the ball. And he's just he's I want to say he's fighting for himself, but he's not fighting for himself. He's getting his ass kicked all over the country. Everywhere. Yeah, at, at, this, at this point, I'm, I'm not sure if the Democrats want him or they don't want him. You know, I, I, think, I think they're totally fine with him. They know how to roll him. They know how to beat him. If he if he happens okay, but, to win, they know how to tie him up. But this kind of stuff, I mean, you have to wonder. To your point, is it is it is it backfiring? Is it making it seem more chaotic? And are sensible people on the right going to say, "I just I can't deal with this anymore. I'm voting for somebody else, and it's not going to be him." Or are we going to be stuck with him? 
You, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, at first I, I would think that they just want him battered and bruised and beaten and, and weakened as much as possible, that that's the guy that they get next year. But if they really want him gone, I mean, you, you can make the argument all this stuff is is going to lead to that and that Republicans are going to pick somebody else. And I don't think that really necessarily works in the Democrats' favor, at least if it, it is somebody like DeSantis. So I'm I'm conflicted. I'm not sure what it is they they're really after now, or they just really hate him so much. They just, you know, they really want to just throw him away. I don't think they're. I, I don't think they're behaving rationally at all. So it it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. He's orange man yeah. bad. I mean, I've seen um, some of these polls where it's like, you, you know, he's out in front, and I feel like. The Democrats are propping him up, I I think, in the media with some of these polls. Well, yeah, the media really, always prop them up because be because Trump is is clickbait. You uh, you know, I mean, that any any if liberals write an article about Trump, uh, then their liberal readers click it. If conservatives write an article about Trump, uh, conservatives Trump has all the energy. He has all the oxygen. There's uh, he, there's no way he's going to lose, and I. You know, I, I wish I could up my bet with oh. Ed to something magnificent because there's just, just every time they do something like this, this is going to dominate the news and 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 prop Trump up among Republicans for the next two weeks all through the Christmas season. So it's, it's like but if you talk to the Democrats, it's like, did you do this to try to prop down? No, we try to be orange man bad. We have to get him. We use as insurrectionist. You know, I mean, they don't get that they're they're taking all the oxygen out of the room. And to be honest, you know, again, DeSantis is fine. I would definitely vote for DeSantis. I want, you know, Virginia's late, but I won't get a choice. It'll all be done by then. But I mean, I I like yeah. him. I like Vivek. I, I I you know, I don't like Nikki Haley, but I, I you know, it's it's just it's not going to be my it's not going to be my choice. So I, I can right. I'm I'm trying to just put it out there that he's going to win. He's going to win Iowa. He's he's he might not win New Hampshire. New Hampshire always goes in a kind of weird way. Uh, he's going to crush it. Crush it in South Carolina, and it's just going to be over by Super Tuesday. And he, and the problem is with DeSantis. He cannot afford to be crushed in Florida. He he turned Florida from a 50-50 state wow. into a R plus 10 state. And he, he's done a really good job. And if if he gets crushed by Trump in Florida, he will lose all wow. credibility in that state. He it's interesting that, that you bring that up because I've talked about this a number of times. I think he's actually in trouble in Florida right now. I think it's a classic uh, example of the governor who rides high into that that re-election campaign, he's really popular. He rode the COVID wave. The COVID wave is gone for, for the most part, right? And now there are problems down in Florida, right? <laughs> and, and I see it. And I see it. I, I think I, I, right now, if I had to put money on it, if I were a betting man, I am. Uh, I don't think that DeSantis can defeat Trump in Florida. Well, his campaign is not exactly wowed the people, has it? So, DeSantis, no. Right, Why it's not? more seen as a total flopping failure. So whether true or not, I think that's yeah. how it's viewed. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just read a whole long article, which I don't totally understand, but the business between him and his super PAC and, you know, people being fired or quitting every other day, it just doesn't look like somebody who can run a country, which is very sad.
And now, you know, another statement about Trump was the one spending all the money before. But again, is that too little too late to start fighting Trump on the weak parts of Trump's record? I I do know that um, that when governors run for the presidency, they become essentially absentee governors and um, they always, always take a hit by um, Mm -hmm. their opponents in the state. He's like, well, we elected you to be governor. What the hell? You're spending all your time in Iowa and you're in New Hampshire and South Carolina and moving all over the state. You're not spending any time in, you know, whatever the state is, but in this case, Florida. And uh, and it, 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 they just hammer them and hammer them and hammer. Them. And when the state does have some problems, of course, all the states have problems right now with the immigration catastrophe. Um, then, you know, he gets blamed for being absentee. It, it's, a, it's a tough gig, yeah. really. Uh, well, it, some people say the governor's never really absentee because of communications. And didn't Florida pass a specific law that allowed him to do this because it was against the law, I believe, for him to be oh, yeah. for yeah, another office. So they passed another law. Um, yeah. Whether or not he's an absentee governor, it does smell like it. That's what I've always said. But he is dead. And the Republican Party goes back from being a, a plus 10 to zero. If Trump crushes him in the Florida primary, which is Super Tuesday, which means DeSantis is not going to be uh, a, a participant in Super Tuesday. So he, he might as well get out now and save his contributors money, because I think he does have a good chance in 28 if he has, uh, you know, if if he ha- figures out how to talk properly. And, you know, <laughs> not. I'm looking forward to January 16th and our show on January 17th. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right. Now, did Ramaswamy gain anything by being the first to say, I'm going to take my name off the ballot in Colorado, or is it just hot air? Because well, this is a dumb thing that maybe I disagree with. But Ed, Ed should go first on this one. What, you want me to repeat what I said to you guys privately? I, I think it was a dumb <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, yes. Uh, I think it reminded me of McCain suspending his campaign in 2008. I think... <clears throat> He's offering he's offering Trump something that Trump doesn't deserve. Trump has not been a team player on the GOP team. And uh, yes, I agree. What happened to him is an injustice. But I don't think that I don't think that it's a wise move on Vivek, Vivek's part. I think it shows bad judgment. And I think that uh, I, I think that it will be a poor decision if DeSantis or Haley or Christie followed his lead. I, I don't think it was a smart thing to do. I'll say one uh, other thing. I, I, as I said, I think earlier on this show, give me one instance where Trump put the team ahead of, put the Republican Party ahead of himself. There's not an, in, there's no instance where he does. I mean, the closest you could come is that he donated his salary. But to me, that was publicity. That was like that was like paying for advertising. I think, you know, I hate to say it, but Trump may have danced on their graves if this would have happened in the other in the other direction. Why do you hate to say that? I'm sure that's what he would do. <laughs> because I hate to say it. You don't. So you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It, it really is sad. Um I mean, because Vivek gets a point for looking like more of a leader, more of a team player, and then he can contrast that with Trump not being a team player. 
And it puts, you know, DeSantis and Haley in the position of, gee, we got to do something also. So you make a good point, Ed, but that's why I like listening he, to you. He, um, he, Vivek was first out of the gate to condemn, to, to condemn the decision. But what good is it to condemn the decision if you don't do anything? So he, he, he both was a talker and a doer. And I think that um, obviously the, uh, the primary is going to be over by the time Colorado um, votes, which is in April. So there's no real consequence, unlike the McCain thing. Uh, he was going to suspend his campaign because why? Because because there was a crash in the stock. What does that mean? Um, it became just an idiot. He was always an idiot and, and a traitor and, he, uh, you know, a warmonger. And um, he was just one of the worst human beings ever. Um, that's not Vivek. Vivek's like. But he was a war hero. This is wrong. You gotta say that, Ed. That's no, wrong. he was a traitor. Oh. He, he, he gave classified information to the enemy in exchange for better better medical care. And everybody who was around him uh, knew about it. And, mm. and there, were, there were contemporary writings at the time. It's obvious uh, you and his, Trump both his hate father was a You hate the military, Ed. That's right. I like soldiers who don't get captured. Right yeah. now. I, that, that was a dumb, that was a dumb <laughs> comment, but it was funny at the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, McCain was not a good guy. But on the other hand, the, uh, the VEC said this is wrong we all say it's wrong right it's all unconstitutional so he can go out and say something and then like what well what can he do about it well like all right it's not going to matter i'll say i won't you know i'll say i won't uh, put my name in the colorado ballot what do you guys think about uh, what do you think about ronna mcdaniel's statement what did did she say you have to tell me that's my point (laughs) has anybody heard boo from her that's what I was saying before. Where the hell did you hear? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it just hit me. I mean, like, where is the RNC except for sending out emails for money? You'd think, you know, they should chime in on this. This is a big deal. This is the first time this has happened in the history of the country, correct? I don't know the answer to that. I, I can't ever remember. I mean, if it would have happened since the war, we would have had all this precedent to talk about the 14th Amendment and presidents mm-hmm. and everything else. And remember, this was the worst thing to ever happen to America since, I don't know, Pearl Harbor, 9-11 yeah. combined. So I think it's worse than 9-11. Right, worse. Pretty mm-hmm. unprecedented January 6th. And I see they just arrested another person for January 6th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In our grandchildren's time, mm-hmm. they will still be arresting people for January 6th. They, they got a hold of their uh, credit card information and all that. Kind of stuff too. The, the purpose of the, all of the arrests is to make sure people don't uh, organize uh, in a, you know, in an anti-regime way again. Right. Which is why uh, the closer we get to the next election, the more they're going to want to do this because they want to remind us. That's right. That's right. So, guys, can the, we the, the, Because I, I want to hear your opinion on this Houthis thing. I mentioned it last week. Um, I think the world is being really stupid, but last week there were only one or two shipping companies. Right now, as far as I can tell, like 10, 20% of all the world's shipping is going to have to be rerouted because of these Houthis. And I want to hear you guys' opinion on what should be done. Well, the whole purpose of the U.S. Navy uh, is to defend free shipping. So if we're not willing to 
step up and do that. And you do that, you know, at first by intercepting the incoming missiles. Uh, but second, uh, why do we have, you know, 80 fighter bombers on those aircraft carriers if they can't go and take the fight to the enemy? Uh, it, you know, I, I, it you can't just like shoot two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar missiles at at seventy five dollar drone, well, seven hundred fifty dollar drones all day long and expect that you know to be the solution. You really have to go and pound the crap out of the people who are uh, doing it to make them not do it anymore. Uh, you know, it, either we're going to keep the shipping lanes free, or um, then we might as well just give up on the Navy. What's the point of it? That's the whole point. Well, I think I mean, the, the, the point... days of Midway and, and Carl C and, and, you know, the Battle of the Philippine Sea, those days are over. The point of the Navy is to keep the uh, shipping lanes free. Um, I agree 100 percent with what you said, Ed. But the whole point of the Biden administration is to weaken the United States and weaken the U.S. armed forces. So Biden is sort of checkmated. He can't do what you want him to do. He can't do what reality and every sane person thinks he should do because he wants to weaken the United States. And he wants to weaken our Navy. So every you know, time there is a, which, I was just going to say, every I, time that one of the one of the Houthis hits missiles, hits our boats, there's a silent cheer at the White House. There is a thing that I've been aware of because I've worked for the military for for many, many years. Um uh, called the counter battery radar. So you have the radar and, um, and it detects incoming projectiles like artillery shells or missiles or whatever at very early on. And, and it can, you know, puts it in computer and it traces back to the origin so that we can, the United States can, um, shoot artillery or missiles or whatever, counter battery fire that would be on the way and might even, depending on the speeds, might even hit the launch location before the enemies gets here, you know, depending on the speed. Um, and that is something that has been around since the 80s, at least. Um, and Israel has it. And I've always been surprised that Israel hasn't used it. Just, you know, as soon as they detect rockets coming up, use artillery to hit, you know, use their own artillery to hit, or MLRS, to hit that location. Um, you know, the location. And and that's another, you know, thing where Israel's being extremely, extremely passive in the defense of their territory. And I think the United States is, is doing it the same way, where we can hit these locations really quickly um and we choose not to do that because for the same reason israel chooses not to do it with uh, the rocket locations in lebanon or or gaza it, it it's because they that's mean you know and they don't want to be mean and so they risk all of the idf soldiers going and cleaning out the rat tunnels uh, uh you know instead of um Instead of destroying uh, the enemy uh, from afar, which is what they should do and what seem, we should do. It doesn't seem like even Egypt is in this quote unquote coalition. You know, going back to Ed M, it's not only that they want the armed forces to be weak, they want the world specifically to perceive America as having been weakened. 
um, is having kind of surrendered. We're not allowed to protect anything unless we get a coalition. We can thank George W. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and but- this whole proportionate response thing is nonsense, right? I mean, like, was World War II a proportionate response? Yeah, to, you don't remember uh, the, the attack on Pearl Harbor? They, you don't remember the yeah. sheets? They counted how many people were allowed to kill in World War II. That's how I remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mentioned That's this right. story. And, and, you know, how many ships were allowed to sink? I mean, the you know, the Marianas Turkey shoot, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. This whole idea of proportion. Either you're at war. The, the Israeli government, again, the Israel, I have serious problems with the Israeli government. But at least they decided after October 7th that they're going to declare war on Hamas or Gaza and then invade and destroy the enemy. To, I mean, they're they're doing it in a stupid way and they're wasting IDF soldiers. But at least they had the guts to declare war. The United States has never had that guts since Second World War. And it's this whole, you know, Korea, well, we really don't want to win. And Vietnam, it's like, well, we really don't want to go into North Vietnam because, you know, that would be that would be mean. We don't want to be mean. Um, And, uh, you know, even in Iraq, we finally decided to be mean. but it didn't matter because we handed over the country to the Shiites. Yeah. Somebody mentioned that this is but, actually going to start hurting the Egyptians with Suez Canal taxes and stuff like that. I mean, this is a big deal, I believe, that nobody's going to go. Well, the, the Egyptians want the Egyptians want the Israelis to crush Hamas too. So I mean, every, everybody knows that. It, it, this is not, you know, they may make noises, but I'm saying they, they're, they're, yet, a lot of Arab countries are afraid to join this so-called coalition. But I'm just saying. To me, this has a lot of international repercussions as far as timing of shipments, prices of shipments. I would think there's a lot of countries not happy about this. What is it, 10 or 20% well, of the world shipping go through there? I mean, to, to Ed's point, it's not just uh, military might that they want to weaken. It's economically for us to be weakened. Yep. <laughs> and Lord knows they're succeeding at that. When it comes to inflation, there is a um, so, uh, my current book makes it worse. Uh, just make everything my worse. Current book is the Clash of Civilizations by um, uh, Huntington. A really good book. Interesting. The thesis is that uh, you know communism and anti-communism had had has you know dominated the world from 1917 to 19 you know 91, and he wrote this in the mid 90s, and and that he he thought sort of a civilizational view is going to um, take over where certain civilizations, you know, Europe, broadly speaking, European civilization, you know, African and Islamic and Chinese and, you know, Indian, that's sort of orthodox, you know. Um, so there's seven or eight different civilizations. And, and he really hits it hits the nail on the head a number of times during the book i think there's more yellow in this book than in any other book i've read and i think that he 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 gets to the essence of it the gazans for all the fact that they everybody hates them hamas and the gazans they're they're you know they're muslims and so the muslim countries can't like do it because this this civiliz what what Hunting calls the civilizational loyalty. Um, they might like stand back and not do anything, but they can't like help because the civilizational loyalty. And it's the same thing he predicted. Like 
in this book was 94, 95. He predicted the Ukraine war. He said, you know, the east of east of Ukraine is is Orthodox and the West is uh, Catholic. And uh, this country cannot survive the way it is. It's going to tear itself apart. And by God, he was right. I'm like, it's like on page four, right? I'm like, oh, my God, I got to finish this book. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think I think they can behave with real politics and they do behave with real politics. But that doesn't go to like sending soldiers to help the Israelis root out Hamas. All right. Um, should we not talk about the elephant in the room, in the Senate room? Yeah. So this guy had, um, you know, uh, was in Ben Cardin's office. He's a senator here from the, across the river in Maryland. Um, he, uh, obviously gay guy, but he kept, um, his social media was very, very, increasingly outrageous mm. and uh people have been telling uh cardin about this and, and apparently cardin chief of staff told him to cool it a while ago and not only did he not cool it he he amped it up and and uh and he got promoted in the office you know because of uh, you know diversity or whatever and uh so he, he took it to a new extreme and he live streamed himself having sex in the senate hearing room yeah. All right, Adam, you want to talk about Fetterman? Uh, yes, but I don't remember what his exact comments were. Do you have them handy? No, not exact. Mike, you're working on that? No. <laughs> he had a number of comments. He told said he's not a progressive. He said uh, that um, the... Uh, You know, he's very pro-Israel statements. Yeah, very pro-Israel. And and mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the comment on on the Internet is, is, you know, as your brain injury heals, you get more conservative. That That's kind of the, you know, the idea. But he, he was he, he was always a, a more old fashioned kind of um labor union kind of leftist rather than a modern day uh, he, he said something about the wokeness too uh, uh, anti-wokeness mm -hmm. but he was always he was always a you know old school labor union um leftist you know far leftist but uh but not of the modern sort of woke variety yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was just a nut, and all of a sudden he's saying things that almost make sense. To me, that was the surprise. Yeah. Well, didn't he have something to say about yeah. um, my senator after, after what was it, Santos, right? Oh, that, that, um, right. No, I think he said about Menendez, too, didn't that, he? That, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's saying, why, why are we putting up with this guy here as well? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he did go uh, after Yeah, him. really interesting. Right, he went after Menendez. He went after, um, just looking up, doing. I did a quick search. He's went after a foreign purchase of a U.S. steel company in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. He went oh, after, and farmland, Chinese Chinese purchasing of farmland in yeah. Pennsylvania. He he wants that stopped too, in the U.S. as well. He went after TikTok for warping people's minds on the Israel Gaza uh, Hamas war. Well, t that dovetails with that 
polling information I uh, shared with you guys um, within the last what day or so, and I talked about how all all the young adults, like eighteen to twenty four year old segment, is all pro Hamas or pro Gaza, pro Palestine. Um, they, I should pull it up. It, it was there was some interesting data in there. They're very much almost anti-Semitic in, in, in a way. There was a lot of contradictory stuff in there because I heard Caroline Glick did a whole podcast on it. It's like yeah. they think Israel should be annihilated, but they're anti-genocide. There's like a yeah. literally contradictory answers within that. Well, story. I think to, to well, some, you know, it is funny. there's an underlying stupidity uh, <laughs> that's there as well, right? Yes. But, I mean, it just, this all is part and parcel of of them becoming activists right and and that's what they're grooming and breeding and they're, it's not about the three r's it's all about um breed, breeding uh act, activists people who are um you know they're 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 constantly agitated about something yeah, and they and, they're, and, they're, and, and the, the meaning that they get out of life is going to bat for the for the oppressed right I, I'm going to bring up a topic. Jews, that, Jews are not you know, among you guys. Are, <laughs> you guys are not alike, but I'm going to tell you this: if if they, if Israel kicked out every Muslim, Gaza, West Bank, even in Israel itself, kicked them all out, let them go, um, there would still be huge, huge issues with with Israel from uh, both from a demographic perspective as well as a security perspective. On the other hand, if all of the Jews in Israel migrated to the United States, where they would be welcomed, um, and uh, it, you know the the land that is now Israel would be turned into a a slum by the Palestinians in in like weeks of their taking over. And I have a feeling, and I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying, I have a feeling. That second thing, where the Jews are welcome to the United States, I, I mean, yeah, there's crazy Jews too. But let's let's just assume they can be moderated. Um, is is all in all a better solution for the Jewish people, and probably what is going to happen at some point in the 21st century than this continual war? Uh, I realize this is, is seems crazy, but I I. To be honest, I'd rather have them all in the United States. Why don't Jews have a right to self-governance? Why do they have to be absorbed into somebody else? Uh, they do, but uh, you know, a right is only as good as as your ability to enforce it. And the demographics do not um, do not favor the existence of Israel um, in the, in the later twenty first century. I, I, I just, I'm sorry, I you know, and so I. I think Americans have a right to their own homelands and Germans and Poles and, you know, that they're all being destroyed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hundred percent in favor of, of ethno-nationalism. I want Poland to be Polish and Czechoslovakia to be, or Czech, Czechia to be Czech and Hungary to be Hungarian. I, I, and I don't mind Israel being Jewish. I'm just talking from a practical perspective that uh, it, it doesn't look good from a long-term perspective. Um, well, it's not going to happen because uh, I don't think so. First of all, no one's getting rid of the Arabs. And I think it's more likely they'll keep fighting for another 500 years. Like, how long did England and Ireland fight? Exactly. 
So I think they'll just... And, and you know, that's the, what we made the other day. They, the Irish fought 500 years to prevent foreign domination. And within the last 20, they've basically given their entire country away to foreigners. So it's... Uh, and, and I see the weakness in Israel. This is Netanyahu. He's supposed to be a strong, you know, military, his brother's a war hero. You know, he, he's supposed to be no-nonsense guy. And... Uh, He's our Trump, and and he's he, their Trump, and and here it is, December twentieth. I mean, come on, right? The battle for Berlin took a couple weeks, three weeks. But that's because we this should be in, over. We fought in Berlin. He's he's under. Yeah. I'm not a well, big the Russians. Netanyahu, as you know, the pressure he is getting. And you know, I've asked this on the show for several weeks now. In history. Have American generals, chiefs, joint chiefs of staffs, um, secretaries of state and defense sat in on cabinet meetings of any other country? Maybe England in the Second World War. Maybe. This is disgusting. I don't remember. It is so patronizing. It is absolutely disgusting. How dare they? And they go there every other day and they want to sit. And it's not even a cabinet. It's this ridiculous, quote, war cabinet that has three people in it or something running the country behind everybody else's back. But Blinken and Austin, these guys are allowed to be there. I wish Israel would tell them where to go, but Israel won't. So for whatever reason, if you ever want to do a whole show on Israel, I'm totally happy. I'm way up on it. But I've told you- There before, is a, you know, there, there is an interesting parallel though between the US and the United Kingdom during the Second World War. You know, the, the United Kingdom had a very strong, charismatic leader. Um, but if you read Churchill's writings about the war, he he was like, he's constantly like, like, got to please the Americans or because we are, you know, our independence depends on them. And they come up with some crazy idea. Now, not that Churchill doesn't come up with crazy ideas, but from his perspective, you know, the Americans are always demanding this and demanding that. And it's, that's so stupid. We need to but do luckily this Luckily, they that didn't demand they don't firebomb Dresden. That was when <laughs> well, I think won that was... wars, you know. If yeah, Israel could treat problem. Gaza like America and Russia treated Berlin, the war would have been over, no question. It's um again, we yeah, nobody fights wars to win. Although, you know, I have this story that Russia just killed 53 people in Kiev, and nobody's uh going to the Security Council about that. And Russia's still lecturing Israel about killing civilians while they're killing civilians in Ukraine. And again, nobody cares. So yeah, nobody actually cares. I mean, the, all these protesters uh, who are protesting, these Gen Z people who are out there protesting uh, in favor of Gaza, um, I, don't, I don't think they even know anything. You know, I mean, these people on the streets, they don't know any of the history. They don't know any of the, I mean, you know. No, they literally it, couldn't. They just programmed. They just that. downloaded from the NPC, NPC. They get the NPC download, you know. No, the, the ignorance is amazing. Mike, can I uh, ask you a token question, which I apologize apologize for in advance? Fire <laughs> away. Um, you're representing an entire religion here. The Vatican <laughs> reversed the ban on, quote, blessing gay couples. It's not 100% clear what they did. Are you following this? I, I have not seen that. They are loosening something when it comes uh -huh. to gay marriage. Yeah, Same-sex unions. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's, I, I've seen slightly different stories on exactly what they did and then a story that they didn't. 
But apparently, right. not only is England loosening up, but the Vatican is. And I would assume there are people within the church not happy. Yeah. Of course, they got rid of that cardinal a few weeks ago, right? They chucked the cardinal for opposing the Vatican a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, not that nothing surprises me with uh, this pope at this point. Who, who isn't Catholic? I mean, it, well, he's yes. something. Is the pope Catholic? He used to be a joke. <laughs> But I, I wonder, like, is the Catholic community at some point, can they do anything about it? Well, you, you can't get rid of them, right? As far as I know. But there's no Why, they got rid of Benedict? Yeah, they no. did push him out. I, you could, I guess you could push him out. There's no impeachment that I know but of. But I think that the church has been so infiltrated. It's just hard. Well, it's like one institution after another, though, right? I mean... You know, things that, that were conservative institutions like the church, like the military, they're all degraded at this point. Yeah. So what, what is what is really left at this point? That's a good question. <laughs> Anybody come really up sure with something? There's anything. Hungary. No. No, there's there's but nothing. Left. And by the you know, by the second term of Biden is over with, there won't be a an America left either. So. Um, you know, I'm, in some sense, I'm glad I'm I'm old. I mean, you know, it's interesting because um, I was thinking about sharing this, and and now it sort of uh, dovetails with all this stuff too. Um, I caught a tweet from uh, this a senator in the New Jersey State Senate. His name is John Bramnick. He used to be the Assembly Minority Leader, and he's like your typical, you know, rhino i mean if there's a was a poster child for one here in new jersey he would definitely fit the bill and he, he tweets out the other day um some believe simply attacking the other side of the aisle is a path to success it do, it doesn't work winning the confidence of the voters by demonstrating maturity civility and compromise will restore faith <laughs> in, the, in the republican party i mean here's a guy a who's, who's been in the new jersey legislature as far as i can remember you know, and the Democrats have, have had both houses, both chambers of the New Jersey legislature for two decades. The NJGOP does nothing to win any election, right? Even when you would think that the winds are blowing in their favor, they lose elections. And this guy has the gall, the chutzpah, to sit there on Twitter, on X, and tell us how we're supposed to win when he's never won a damn thing other than his own lousy seat. Is he it's the reincarnation of John McCain? Yes, let's reach across the aisle and compromise. Yeah. Well, ironically, he, he's also a, a comedian, apparently. So. Well, then that's not ironic. It, it's it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, that's New Jersey for you. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Who's got stories they wanted to talk about? Well, somebody spray painted free Gaza on the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, and uh, that's odd. I don't think trying to put logic to these leftists <laughs> makes any sense um, because I think that, again, the NPC download comes and they get their free Gaza um, thing. I, I, you know, I, I think they're all programmed to like not want the United States to support Israel. And I think, you know, 
part of that is, I think part of that is sort of uh, the anti-Semitism that is boiling in the undercurrents of the left. I mean, you still have Chuck Schumer and, and whatnot in, you know, in charge of the Democratic Party, but there is the same Semitism that is boiling uh, in the, you know, anti-colonialist, mm-hmm. uh, anti-white Jews are considered white um, viewpoint of the left. And, and I think, you know, on, I think there's some of that anti-Semitism is, is, is coming um, in the youth due to, um, you know, people like Jonathan Greenblatt and the ADL and their over-the-top um, censorship, you know. People know what they're not allowed to say on TikTok or, or mm-hmm. Twitter or whatnot, and uh, I think they resent the, mm-hmm. the censorship. So partly it's this anti-colonialism and, and whatnot, um, sort of these these leftist ideas that are coming home to roost and, and sort of part of it is the the Jewish community themselves are not helping themselves by um by being now, what so would be the penalty for Jews not for Jews for J Sixers defacing the Lincoln Memorial, yeah. the White House gates, like nobody even yeah. cares yeah, exactly what's happening. It's, it's well crazy. I mean all the people who who rioted during Trump's inaugural in, in January twenty seventeen there uh, 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 the, At least that was before. Zero. Not even after J6, we still don't care if the other side, if they, yeah. you know, colonize the Senate building, nobody cares. There's no obstruction on the other side. And I know hierarchy, not hypocrisy. I agree. But it's it's so in our yep. face. Yet, yet all this anti-Semitism that's, you know, percolating and boiling up from the left, not, not going to really change uh, liberal Jews, is it? So if I tell you that there's 10 articles a day on that subject. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, what does it take? My sense I is mean, it'll change one or two for a couple of days. That, yeah. That's about it. I, I don't. I, I mean, there, it's difference. interesting. You, you had just, mentioned. There, there are segments, you know, throughout the, the world and society that are just suicide. It's the black it, Democrat, it, Jewish Democrat. It. It's it's a nut that can't be cracked for some reason. So. You had mentioned Stephen, and this goes back to your comment about the uh, the Catholic Church. You had mentioned that um, a lot of the you know Orthodox rabbis are are very um, you know Democrat liberal oriented, while their flocks no, are much no, more the Orthodox conservative. Are, the Orthodox are more conservative. Even the Orthodox rabbis are much more conservative. Okay, it's conservative. You said a bunch of them. Uh, in in your area were you know like sort of captured by the state in a lot of ways um and and i think the same thing goes with the priests and the catholic church they the when george w bush um changed the rules so that that um organizations uh, religious organizations can get government dollars to do um you know help helping the poor work I think that the, you know, a lot of Catholic organizations and, you know, and these Protestant churches were like, um, thank God, government money will, uh, you know, will do that. And, you know, a lot, and a lot of them, especially the Catholic charities are, are the ones who are pushing this, uh, this great migration for into the U S they go down there and they, they, uh, you know, tell them what to say, you know, 
um, to get through the the security. I mean, the Catholic Charities is is like number one on that. And I, I, but I can't, not affect I can't Vatican, imagine. Is it? Is that part of why the Vatican has moved left? I, I always think of them as totally separate. I I, th- I think it's a it's a bottom up kind of a thing. I, I definitely think it's a bottom up kind of thing. Um, and the government money does not help. No, government money rarely helps, which is one of the millions of reasons why we're against Convention of the States, because it doesn't matter what's legal. The government will still dangle money and every state will fold and every country will fold and every religion will fold. So. So that was my one thing. Mike, if you if no. anybody has the answer to why Jews vote Democrat, no matter what. They will win a Nobel Prize. There's been books written, millions yeah. of articles written, and still there's no totally yeah. 100% good answer. And then you ask, how far does it have to go? I hate to say it. I'm not sure if there's a limit to it. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, unfortunately, as probably other groups, the Jews are their own worst enemy because they allowed, um, who was it? Was it, was it Schumer? who was hiding behind the anti-Zionist Jews. I forget who it was, a big Democrat who very recently said, well, I love the Jews as much as anybody, but there's plenty of Jews against Israel. So they undercut that Nadler. Yeah, it may have been Nadler. may have been Nadler. So unfortunately, there's a bunch of Jewish groups, both in Israel and here. I mean, there are anti-Israel professors in Israel who are like totally up there with the great presidents of universities that we have here in undermining their own country. So again, the infiltrating uh, the institutions, the long war, long march, whatever they call that thing. So any other big stories? I'll just throw a couple of quick thoughts out and then I kind of got to run myself. Um, On December 1st, Jerome Powell of the Fed said that uh, the tightening wasn't over, that the Fed wasn't ready to start cutting rates. But in the last week or so, he reversed apparently reversed course. Uh, and there's a lot of speculation in financial markets as to why he did that so quickly. Um, I don't have a guess, but I think it's worth noting that something might be amiss. And some, well, not might, something is amiss. Uh, we don't know yet what it is, but we should pay attention. Um, and then I'll just go back to the Trump story. And uh, I don't know if I said this earlier. So in case I didn't, I just want to say the guy has not been a team player ever. And, you know, I, you know, I have a real resentment over how he's treated DeSantis. Uh, so I understand that colors my view, but it, just in general. he And Ted he Cruz attacked- in the last election. He yes, and he he attacks them all, and then he expects everybody to support him when he's unfairly attacked. And I think it's a totally unreasonable expectation on his part. I get that the attacks on him are indirectly an attack on us, uh, but to me, I mean, I, I I am not ready to to rally and support, rally around, rally around to defend him, uh, because he hasn't he hasn't defended the Republican Party. He hasn't defended anybody else. And, and um, you know, I don't wish what's happening on him. I, I I don't think what's happening to him is fair. I don't support it, but uh, he doesn't deserve my help. So uh, that's just my thought for the to, to conclude. 
no disagreement here, especially in primary time. So, Mike, nope, you're good. I'm good. Ed P. <laughs> I am. Uh, it's going to be interesting race next yep. year. I'll tell you. Yeah, and I'll just say uh, not, if, not if it goes the way you think. If if Trump crushes yeah. in Iowa, it's going to be over after Iowa. It won't be a race. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I mean, Trump all year, Biden. all year, well, Trump Trump Biden. Biden, Biden is that's not going to happen. Biden is failing uh, pretty quickly. Still not going to be His Trump mental faculties. Ne- we're never terribly strong. But uh, they are going well, down. You had Kamala said that this is the most election in a long time. <laughs> That's something Kamala would say. Yep. Ah. Kami Harris, as Rush would call her. Kamala. Kamila. Kamila. Okay, folks. With that, we will be back next week. Wishing everyone a very, very happy holiday. Next week be the last show of the year, obviously. And please send feedback yep. to conservatari- the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Have a wonderful yep. evening. Happy Merry holidays, Christmas, everybody. everybody. Merry Christmas.